On episode 53 of DevTalk, I speak to Julie Lerman about Entity Framework. Welcome to another episode of DevTalk. My name is Kerry Lothrop, and today's guest is Julie Lerman. Julie is a software coach, longtime MVP, Microsoft Regional Director, a Docker Captain. I'm going to have to ask her about that. And generally an expert on everything Entity Framework. Hello, Julie. Hey, Carrie. How are you? I am good. How are things in Vermont in the land of already socially distanced? <laughs> well, you know, I live out in the boondocks in a, kind of a remote place, so I'm, I'm used to being socially distant. I actually yeah. make up for that by, you know, traveling to conferences and, and doing things like that. So, yeah, I'm just a little a little less social than normal. Yeah. Well, I live in a town of 200,000 people. Uh Mainz in Germany now come to fame as uh, origin of the the first COVID vaccine, and I realized too late that you were here last year, and I yeah. just saw your tweet when you were at the airport leaving. <laughs> oh, I didn't do that very well leaving. I I I got on the uh, what did I do? I I oh I know I went right past the airport on the train. Oh. And when I finally realized it, I got confused when I was heading to, you know, heading to the airport on the train and I I passed I, I thought, "Oh, okay, there's my there, you know, there's my exit." So I thought that, you know, I had to go and then somehow after we had passed the Frankfurt Airport, it wasn't clear to me. They didn't say Frankfurt Airport. I I know the German for it, but still they didn't, (laughs) it it wasn't clear to me somehow. And then by the time I got to the next stop, I realized my mistake and I had to quickly figure out at what stop, you know, what, what, where could I get off so that I could just get onto the train going back to the yeah. airport and i i somehow made it <laughs> but it was i was just stupid just you know i'm like i'm a road warrior right i should know better but i really <laughs> oh messed that up but phew, didn't miss my flight so it was okay yeah the, the trick is uh, the the stop after the airport you can't get a cab and so you have to stay on for two stops if you're really in a hurry. Yeah. Get off there and then take the taxi. That must be what I figured out. <laughs> well, I didn't ta- I actually would manage to get a get a train going back. Okay, great. But, That's also, oh also a good solution. <laughs> and all of that on no coffee, right? Because it was early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved I loved it and I was actually look looking forward to to going back this this past fall, but you know, of course. Yeah, life happens. So thank you for the vaccine, by the way. I didn't realize that you know that was from your. I I didn't realize Pfizer was right there. I I had no part in it. So it was uh, two companies, Pfizer and BioNTech, and I think BioNTech did most of the work, and Pfizer came in with their general pharma know-how and distribution and everything, and 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 manufacturing. Uh, So, but the the company BioNTech is in Mainz, and the the address is like. uh, on the gold quarry or something like that. It, it is so fitting <laughs> that, that this is, uh, yeah, they're, they, uh, the stocks have gone up a little bit since oh, the announcements. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good for them. <laughs> That's great. And, and, oh my gosh, you know, 
vaccine. Although I have to say, I'm like, but is it real? Is it going to work? Ah. <laughs> well, but you know, just because we're so used to everything going wrong with this, but um, yeah, yeah, time for things to go right. And, and vaccines are things these companies know how to do, right? <laughs> I mean, I have yeah. a flu yeah. shot, you know, I trust that. So <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll be the, what can we all say about this situation? There's just too much. Yeah. Well, you're used to traveling around. Like you, you said, you, you go to give presentations in Germany and now, now you're stuck at home. Um, so is, is, what is it you're working on right now or, or how can you, how can you go after your job or what actually is your day job? <laughs> so I'm self-employed. Um, mm -hmm. I have been for over 30 years. And as a matter of fact, speaking at conferences really isn't my job. It's just, you know, it's my vacation. That's how I have vacation. Yeah, that's <laughs> why I said day job. Traveling yeah. <laughs> around. Um, so, yeah, I do, you know, I, I create plural site courses as as do you, right? You? I do not, no. Why, do no. I, why do I think <laughs> that? Huh. Anyway, well, maybe as you should. <laughs> maybe that's Good idea. What I meant yeah. To say, yeah, I'll hook you up. <laughs> um, so actually, that I've been kind of focused on that. I've I've uh, I created a brand new course this year, and I up I updated a few. I did some tweaks to my old EF six courses because people are still using EF six. So I just I didn't do overhauls on those courses. There's no need, but I just wanted to make things a little current so people knew that, you know, there's version 6.4 and it runs on .NET, uh, .NET Core and can be cross-platform and just to make mm -hmm. sure people were aware. So I just did some tweaks to there, but I went through those whole courses looking for anything that just really stuck out to me that uh, would be unhelpful for people if they watched it without the, the context. So I fixed those up. I created a whole new course on a brand new topic for me, which was .NET on AWS. And I'd never okay. used AWS before. And I have some friends who are um, dev advocates at AWS. And mm -hmm. you know, we were just talking one day and they're like, oh, yeah, did you know we do this? We do that. We do that. Like they have all the support for .NET. I never knew. I was like, really? So I started looking, you know, like, that's curious. I ended up writing a couple of articles for Code Magazine. And then I did a whole course for Pluralsight that is um, like fundamentals of building .NET applications on AWS. And what I focused on was in Visual Studio, AWS has built this amazing extension and you can actually, you know, you just write your .NET applications the way you always do, but okay. is leveraging services on AWS. So they have APIs, right? And then also built into the built into the extension makes it easy to make connections and do deployments. Whether you're, you know, deploying um, deploying to through Docker, right, on a container. Mm -hmm. um, or you just want it on, on, on a VPC, which is called the EC, EC2. Oh my gosh. Learning all their acronyms. <laughs> it was really, really funny. But anyway, so that was, you know, and I wrote all these articles and, and it was just fun to try something new, but it wasn't totally new because I was still doing .NET programming, right? Yeah. You know, doing ASP.NET and .NET 
core and entity framework core, right? And but but still the fun of using using all this stuff that was new. So for me, it was just, you know, oh, I'm curious and this is fun learning something new. But the beauty of the course is there's so many .NET developers who actually have been tasked to learn AWS because they're using AWS at work and they, you know, so they're mm -hmm. trying to learn all this stuff. So, um, so, you know, it's not just for fun, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's really beneficial to them. And also I think people like me, maybe you who are just like, oh, just, you know, curious about that. Cause I've always been like, well, I just use Azure, right? Like, why wouldn't I? So yeah. yeah, it was, that was really fun. So anyway, um, and then, so big focus because I haven't been traveling and I haven't had all those uh, interruptions, big interruptions and distractions because it's not just the travel, but it's um, really taking the time to prepare the talks and, and do all that work. So, you know, all that's gone. Um, so I've been able to focus on the courses. And the other big thing, of course, is along with .NET 5 being released, Entity Framework Core, a brand new version of that is out, EF Core 5. So right. I took my EF Core Getting Started course, and I went through from the beginning to the end, and I updated the whole thing, you know, re-recorded all the demos using EF Core 5, and, um, well, in the, you know, the newer, I, newer version of update of Visual Studio 2019. I did it in .NET 5. You could still do it in .NET Core 3, but I did it in .NET 5 just because, you know, oh, I get to use the new thing. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, there are, there are lots of new things, right? So there was also stuff to change. It wasn't just a matter of re-recording it, using it. So I went through that whole thing. It took a bunch of months and I was doing it while, um, before EF Core 5 was released, but I waited until they were really at the uh, release candidates before I started doing, you know, committing to anything because, you know, things change so much. So that was great. And it just got released like an hour ago, <laughs> published. Your course. Okay. Yeah. The, the new, the new EF Core 5 getting Con critical. Congratulations. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. It's a big thing, right? It's, it's like, releasing a piece of software right because it's a lot of you know you're working on it a lot and uh you know yeah <laughs> and you're thinking about it a lot you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it going oh wait you know i forgot to mention this thing anyway so uh yeah that's i've been doing a lot of that the other nice thing about not traveling was i really enjoyed being in being home this summer we did a lot of bike riding my husband and i right do that kind of an isolation from other people and um, got things done around the house and relaxed a little bit. Uh, so, that, you know, I know it's, it, it sounds very, I feel very privileged, right? That uh, I know a lot of other people are struggling in terrible ways or, you know, maybe not terrible ways, but still struggling. Like, you know, we don't have kids. So you, I mean, you're, life must have changed dramatically when all of a sudden the kids were being homeschooled and you're having to work at the same, you know, so I didn't have any of that because we don't have kids. Yeah. We've got that coming up tomorrow. So the yeah. lockdown in Germany is oh, starting gosh. on Wednesday, the 16th of December oh. and the schools are closed and the kindergartens are closed. So, uh, we're, we're going to do, my wife and I are going to do shifts. Yeah. You know, she's going to yeah, I can't get up at five 30. Uh, I, I, 
I was about to say I can't even imagine it, but I can because, you know, I've I've read so much about it and witnessed so much and talked to people so much about it. So so I, I totally recognize that me saying, oh, I got to stay home and it was nice and I went for bike rides and it was so relaxing and it was so <laughs> great, right? Like, you know, yes, I totally understand that that was uh, definitely from a, I you know, I, I don't want to say from a, in some ways, absolutely from a point of privilege, but also, I mean, you know, it would be nice to have kids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any kids. So, you know, so I'm not saying that's a privilege not to have kids. I'm just, you know, just saying because we don't have kids, it was, has just been, and, and I'm used to working from home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I work from home. So, yeah. So it's interesting in a lot of ways it changed things for me, but not quite as much. So. I mean, like the the plural side thing. That's that's perfect for a pandemic. And the the people or <gasps> you you don't I've meet anybody watching. producing it, and and people have more time to consume the, your content, yeah. right? Yeah. And even yeah. plural side even even put out some of that uh, for free to, for for people to watch oh. or to get people into that. All of April, the entire yeah. month of April, it was free, and then they did another free week recently too, which mm -hmm. is and then every once in a while they do a free weekend too. Yeah, so that's great. So the only funny thing is my husband's home more. My husband's a carpenter and he decided to do it, you know, he wasn't he couldn't work, so he decided to do the deck project he'd always wanted to do. So mm -hmm. that was happening right outside of my office. <laughs> and uh and then in the end of the summer my my dad who's 86, he lives alone and he's kind of in a remote area. So, we're, and, and he's trying to sell his house. Right. So it's like, you know, we don't want him to be alone. He can't go to the grocery store. Uh, and there's people coming in and out of the house. We want, we want people coming in and out of the house to look at the house so we could sell it. So we got him up here. He, he, cause he lives about six hours away from me. So he has been here thinking, you know, he would go back shortly. Right. Well, yeah. he's been for four months. So one thing that was a little difficult between, you know, my dad being around and my husband working on a big deck project outside of my office, I'd be like, okay, everybody, I need 10 minutes of silence because I have to record <laughs> some audio. You can't walk around. You can't do, you know, so just working around that. But, you know, still that's, nothing compared to having your kids in there, but, ah, <laughs> uh, you know, but the whole zoom meeting thing with your kids coming in and sitting on your laps, I think everybody's over that now. It's like, yeah, no, right. Yeah. But you know, plural site course, people are like, what's that sneezing in the background? So unprofessional, <laughs> you know, it has to be, has to be professional. Yeah, but if I demand ten minutes of silence, uh, <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, so well, I just have to have to re record this at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even when doing uh, when doing this, like podcasts or doing video uh, screen, you know, doing interviews with video, mm -hmm. I've you know, I've for this, I've told them, hey, I'm going to be doing this recording, but it's you know, it's with a friend, it's casual, like you know, don't stress out about it. You know, if you walk by me in the background, like it's okay. It doesn't, you sure. know, fine. Just, I just have to ask my husband, please don't announce yourself when you come into the office with one of your large, huge belches just to, just to make <laughs> me go, oh, right. Like, please don't do that while I'm doing the recording or, you know, or doing any other a live time. conference presentation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Boys. So uh, <laughs> let, let's dig a little bit into into what you mentioned you're working on. Uh, so, like I said, people know you for Entity Framework. And for those who don't know, Entity Framework is an object relational mapper in the .NET world. And you use it to talk to relational databases from your from your .NET code. And uh, this was the, how long has this been around? I first saw it before its initial release in two thousand six, and it was okay. initially released in two thousand eight. So this was not a fly by night technology for Microsoft, but they have evolved it and updated it and grown it and rewrote mm -hmm. it from scratch so that they could really move it forward. And, you know, they are very committed to it. So it's been around for, you know, over 10 years. Yeah. But it's, but it's not a dated thing, right? Because they really are putting investment into it. Yeah, I, I remember doing my first project with uh, an ER mapper, and that was uh, using Enhibernate in 2008. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think uh, EF was not there yet or wasn't ready or we, I mean, the Hibernate coming from the Java world was oh, yeah. was pretty, pretty, pretty mature already. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's what we picked. But in a recent project, I actually worked on, on, EF core. So that's the successor for entity framework for originally right. for .NET core, right? Right. So what they, what they did was um, EF had evolved over the years and gotten smarter about, you know, agile development and processes and making it so you can write more testable code. And, and the, the problem when it first came out, when you were saying, you know, and Hibernate was so much more mature. One of the mm -hmm. huge differences and, you know, big problem with Entity Framework was it was really invasive in your code. Um, you couldn't really separate what the ORM was doing from your business logic because of the way EF was written and the way you, the way it worked, you needed to, everything had to be really intertwined. So that, mm -hmm. was, that was really a big problem, but that, um, that changed very quick, like the very next version, uh, because the any framework core, any framework team heard about it. <laughs> uh, and I didn't even understand cause these were all, you know, this, all the, these agile practices and testability and everything. They were things they, that I had not even been aware of or thinking about yet. Right. So these, these people who are coming from like the Java world and then hibernate world and a mature ORM, they, had a lot to say about how limiting uh, Entity Framework was and how it was going to really make it hard for developers to adopt these ideas and patterns that they were trying to share. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, Microsoft heard an earful from them. <laughs> I'll just say it that way. So did I, because I was like writing books about it and stuff. Anyway, so uh, with the EF Core 4, it, like, which was the second version, uh, that... Not, not Core, EF4. Yeah, EF4. What's the second version of Entity Framework? They skipped, they never called it two or three. Uh, yeah. But that actually they really made a big change based on the feedback they'd gotten from alt.net that the, they were called the, the, these, this group of 
developers who really wanted people to understand better way of doing de development than Microsoft was teaching us and, and uh, locking us into with some of their tooling. Mm -hmm. So that changed and then it evolved um, EF4, EF5, EF6. And EF6 was open source. It was the first one. It was before the rest of .NET went. .NET I did not core. know. Okay. Mm -hmm. EF6 was uh, open source and they did not bundle it into, it wasn't deployed with .NET. It was uh, deployed by way of NuGet. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, an addition on top of it. So they weren't dependent on the .NET release time. So anyway, then um, .NET started evolving towards .NET Core and, you know, new modern way of, of writing this you know, the whole framework, open source, cross-platform, et cetera. So Entity Framework went along from the for the ride, but they couldn't just take this huge code, this code base that had been was already, you know, eight years old or something and fit it into this new modern way of of uh, writing software. So they rewrote it from the scratch from scratch. They didn't say we're going to throw away entity framework and start with a whole new idea. They took the concepts from entity framework and just rebuilt. They just rebuilt it in a more modern and flexible way. Mm -hmm. um, and so well, let me just, just tell you how, how I came to, to come across entity framework core uh, in our project. So we, uh, we started a project as was .NET four, six, two or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And we, we saw, oh, this is, there's EF6, which is uh, trusted. Uh, this is, uh, it's, a, it's a big monster actually. Battle, battle tested was the great phrase that Rowan Miller used from the team. It was battle tested. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then th there was this new thing. And uh, for some reason, we uh, we were writing a server software, but we decided on using SQLite as our uh, ah, okay. entity or a relational database uh, because most of the data in our server was time series data. So, and we didn't want to store that in a relational database. And then there, we had just a little bit of uh, like relational data, and we wanted it easily installable, and it had to be. Uh, customer didn't. We don't don't want to DBA. Customer has to install, be able to install it by themselves. So it was SQLite, and yeah. Entity Framework did not support uh, well SQLite at all. So we went with EF Core version one, which and had SQLite provider. Yes, that, that it did, and it, we don't regret the choice in retrospect. It was it was a, a good choice, though. .NET Core was really. Just a, a subset of what EF was before, or, or e, yes, EF core. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was just it, there was not that much there in right. version one. Right, it was very much a version one. <laughs> yeah, but it was out there. But you know, it was what they could get out without making people wait another year. Right. So mm -hmm. it was for for people who were wanted, really wanted to use it and understood what it did have and what it didn't have yet. Um, and that, and that was okay. Yeah. And contrary to the name, it's not a .NET core library. It's a .NET standard library. That means you can use it from .NET framework, right? Yes. Except 
not the new one. Oh, the 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 five. Okay. Yeah. Well, Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because EF Core five. It also depends on .NET standard, but it's .NET standard two point one. Yeah. .NET standard two point one isn't supported by .NET framework. Right. Okay. Only .NET, mm-hmm. .NET Core, but .NET Core three. Uh, 3.1, .NET Core 3.1, and .NET Core, uh, .NET 5. Yeah, so the interesting thing is if you're starting a new software project, um, there, you know, oh, how was I saying it? I'm probably going to back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we have, sure. we, ha- we have less reasons to start new projects using .NET Framework because... Um, you know, if even if you wanted to use, if you were creating a new project and you wanted to use Windows Forms or WPF, those are now supported on .NET, on, mm-hmm. I mean, on .NET Core. So, you know, if that's why you want to use EF, right, to go with a Windows a Windows Forms project, well, you can use EF Core with Windows mm-hmm. Forms. You can use EF Core with uh, with WPF. So the lack of support for .NET framework for EF Core five, um, you know that's the, uh, it's it's hard to think. You know, who's that going to be a problem for, right? Mm-hmm. But even if even if you have an old Windows Forms project, you can just bring that over to, you know, say you got an old Windows Forms project and it's using EF six. You could bring that old project over to uh, .NET Core three. And e, first of all, EF6 will work there, right? Because the EF6.4, it, it runs on .NET Core 3 and going forward. Oh, but okay. if mm-hmm. you were like, okay, I, you know, I really don't want to change the front end and the whole Windows Forms thing because that's been working beautifully for a long time, but I really want to benefit from some of the new features in EF Core 5, you can do that. Just, you know, it doesn't have to be in .NET Framework. That's the cool thing. Mm-hmm. Where are we at now with uh, Entity Framework? It's still called Core, right? Entity Framework Core yeah. Five. And they're going to even though gonna stick with that, yeah. And gonna... they, they probably wish they hadn't skipped versions two, three, four, and now they could have just named it EF EF Five. Well, there already was <laughs> uh, an EF Five, though. Right, right. Yeah. And they can't name it that because they skipped versions two, yeah. three, four. But also, it lets us know that this is this is the cross-platform modern version of yeah. framework right it, it's mm-hmm. it's very clear i i you know because people have been like oh they should you know if it dot net if dot net five dropped core and then ef core and asp.net core should <laughs> drop it also but it really is an, a critical differentiator so we know okay. what we're talking about when we're seeing ef core five we're not talking about that old version yeah so yeah, that's that. I yeah, there people have been de- want to debate that, and I'm like, nope. I think it's a. I think it was absolutely the right the right call to keep calling it EF Core Five. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Also, it's really interesting. So, what what version of EF Core are you working with these days? So we just uh, updated to version three. Awesome. Uh, and uh, it was a bit of a pain. Yeah, that was the break. That was the one I, when I wrote an article about it, I called it EF Core 3, the Breaking Changes Edition. <laughs> or, or some, actually, maybe it was an article. Maybe it's a, a talk, right? A, 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 
uh, meetup talk or something, the Breaking Changes edition. Um, yeah, they ripped the Band-Aid off, right? They were like, yeah, yeah. They really just they they needed to do a little bit more of a reset to make sure EF Core was going to be able to support the kind of work they needed to do going forward. So for the EF Core 3 version, rather than focusing on new features and enhancements, what they did was they went down underneath um, and there were some things that they had written into EF Core from the beginning that were really making it hard for them to move forward. And they're like, okay, it's time to go back there and now that you know we know better, we know what we want. Now we understand EF Core better and where we mm -hmm. want it to go. We need to, we need to really change how this is going to work. This uh, is, is most the big thing was the querying, um, how the query engine works. So they, and then as long as they were at that doing that, and that was going to make a lot of breaking changes, they said as long as we're you know they said we might as well go back and do some of the other things we wish we had done differently, all right? Mm -hmm. say, look, this version, it's just going to be a lot of breaking changes. They were really transparent about them. I'm sure having done the update, you've been on that document, the breaking changes for EFCore 3, how yeah. detailed and helpful it was um, so that you were prepared for it. Uh, it. It didn't prepare us for everything, though. Uh, no. Yeah. Anyway, so given that, um, moving to EF Core Five, they were they they. I'm looking at what I something I quoted uh, before when um, EF Core Five was still, um, I think, a release candidate, um, but it wasn't. It was before it was even fully released, and they had 225 new features or minor enhancements, like two hundreds, <laughs> right? of yeah. things because having done the work that they did in EF Core in EF Core 3 it enabled them to do all kinds of cool stuff that they'd been wanting to do or and mm -hmm. we've been wanting them to do uh with EF Core 5. So I've been um I've taken some different sample applications of mine and just updated them just to see what happens and you know not taking advantage of new features of course but um the the break the the breaking change there are breaking changes in there but they're mostly kind of minor, right? And edge cases. Yeah. And again, they've been really transparent about them. And I've also seen uh, people like on Twitter saying, "Ah, oh, we just updated our app from you know .NET Core three and EF Core three to .NET five and EF Core five, and it was just really easy. Like it's not going to be like that for everybody. You know, it depends." Mm -hmm. on how, what you're doing. Right. But, um, it, it's not, people are really worried of what they went through to get to EF core three. They're so scared that it's going to be the same kind of horrible breaking changes, right. To go to EF five, yeah. but that, you know, EF core three was really, uh, what, what do they call that? The a hundred year flood, you know, the kind of flood that only happens every hundred years. So, um, <laughs> Not that I think EF Core is going to be around for another hundred years, but they're not going to do it like that again for a long time. No, no. So is EF Core 5 now up to par with EF6? It is pretty close. We got okay. we got some 
key things back. And it's one of the big things that people have been complaining about was the many to many support. Mm -hmm. And now they not only did they bring back many to support many to many support, they didn't just like, you know, copy and paste it from EF six. Um, but, uh, it's back as simple as it was before, but it is so much better, so much better because there was actually a lot of limitations, um, with original EF for doing many to many support. One of the big things mm -hmm. you couldn't have payload along with your, um, along yeah. with your joint the map mapping table okay right right so if you wanted mm -hmm. to have any additional information like you know when did we make this join or or you know any any additional information you wanted to store in there mm -hmm. many 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 to many support in plain you know old entity framework never allowed that you always had to now go back to having a join entity you know doing everything explicitly so yeah EF Core 5 actually has brilliant support for that. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, what else? Another, oh, so not just parity, but like there is one there is one particular feature that we've been asking for since the beginning of time with Entity Framework, which you, you're familiar with using include for eager loading, the include yeah. method, so you can bring back, uh, you know, a full relationship or as much of as you want of that relationship at once. But anytime you would use that, uh, it was an all or nothing uh, scenario, right? So you could only, mm -hmm. if you wanted to have, let's see, a blog and bring its posts also, you'd have to get all the, if you wanted to use eager loading, you're going to get every single post attached to that blog coming back into memory. Then you could filter it out. Right. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. have filtered includes you can actually write the filtering and also sorting directly into the include and that will be translated into the sql that's sent to the database that's nice a big yeah. deal mm -hmm. that's a that's a big deal because you know well i mean there's ways around it right you could always use a um, projection query like using select state uh, select link method do things like that but Mm -hmm. Include is so easy to write. And one of the problems is people shoot themselves in the foot because include is so easy to write. They don't realize, they don't realize they're like, why is this so slow now that we're using a production <laughs> database, right? Because you just brought back a million records when you only needed three. <laughs> yeah. Right. So this thing, things like that. What what else? Um I, I there's, you know, like I said, there's over there's hundreds of uh, hundreds of things, but I have to say the many to many is so fascinating. Um, I could, I, I had my course is actually, uh, when I updated my EF core five getting started course, I added like another half hour or something to it because of the many to many. Oh yeah. Here's another one. Um, you, EF six had a really, really easy way to do logging, but then with EF core, EF core tied into .NET core logging, which is, you know, really rich, right? But mm -hmm. to implement it in EF core to say, okay, I want to use the .NET core logging to get, you know, whatever entity framework core is doing, whether I want to look at the commands from the SQL or what's going on with the um, processing, whatever. Um, it, you had to write a lot of code to tap into it. It was a, it, it was just a, 
and if you're an ASP, if you were using ASP.NET Core, it was easy because it's all built right in. But if you were using mm -hmm. anything else, then you have a whole bunch of code to write. Anyway, so that just got, that is so, so much simpler that it's when you're configuring, um, when you're configuring the DB context with the, op, with the options builder, all we have to do, there's a method called log two. That's it. You just add mm -hmm. that method on there, log two, and just say, you know, I want it to go to console right line or debug right line or oh, this cool. file or whatever. Right. That's it. Instead of all of, you know, having to create factories and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, here's, yeah. another, here's another little, it's like a little thing, but if you write Blazor apps, it's a big thing. Do you write Blazor apps? I do not. Okay. No. So it won't, it, I, I don't either. So I was like, I didn't realize what a big deal it was, except I did have somebody, I think it was Carl Franklin last year, uh, sent me an email. He's like, I'm writing a Blazor app and I'm having a problem with my DB context because it keeps wanting, it It keeps piling everything in there and I don't know how to disconnect it and I don't know how to architect it properly the way you would with like an ASP.NET Core app. And mm -hmm. the reason is, so Blazor uses like uh, a lot of the ASP.NET Core stuff that we're, we're used to using, the startup file and and how um, you configure the dependency injection with the services and all of that, right? So yeah. when you use the services and DI, dependency injection, to uh, to spin up DB contexts for you, that's per request, right? It's ASP.NET Core. So it's like a web page or a web API or something like that. And you have individual requests coming in. So the lifetime, so naturally, like, I don't mean, oh, of course, I mean, its natural state was that the, con the lifetime of the DB context would be the lifetime of the request. So it's mm -hmm. scoped to that. So it would be short, it would just by nature, it would be short-lived requests, and and that's the way you need to do that with um, with anything web-based. Well, Blazor uses that stuff, but you can put all of the logic onto the client, and so now it doesn't have a natural scope, right? A, a natural okay. kind of request scope, and so there was no way to say don't just use one context for the entire lifetime of the application. I still want to have short-lived context. So now they, and there was a way to do this and they, uh, the NA framework team demonstrated, you know, you could find the article on how to do it, but people would always run into it and not know how to do it. But you have to do, you have to build like a DB context factory and then implement it and then call it. And, you know, it was like, it was confusing. If you didn't know what was going on, it was like, okay, I'll just follow these instructions, but I have no idea what I'm doing, which is yeah. the time, right? <laughs> so um, anyway, so what they did, what the team did, the team worked with the Blazor team. They're like, we got to make this easier. So now uh, uh, it, Entity Framework has an add DB context extension method that you would um, add db context factory extension method that you would use in the startup file instead of saying add db context and passing in and when you know whenever you spin one up use this provider use this connection string right mm -hmm. now it's add a db context factory 
with a provider, with a connection string, then in your your client side code, you you'll you always have the factory available and then say, hey factory, I need a new I you know I need a new short-lived DB context. And the factory brings along all of the the provide, you know, all the configuration information that you need. Okay. So yeah, makes sense. If you know, and Blazor is like the new hotness, right? So there's so many people using Blazor. And for them, if they're using F-Core, it's a really big deal. It's like this little, little thing, but it's a really big deal. So I, I had to learn a little bit about Blazor in order to first understand what problem this was solving, what problem this AddDB Context Factory was solving. And then, you know, I had to write a little demo and, and everything to to be able to mm-hmm. explain it to people. So, you, but you know how that is, right? If you need to explain, you need to understand things much better when you need to explain it to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that makes you dig in. But but this is Blazor running in the browser or, yeah, or so where is this running? It, it Blazor runs .NET code in the browser, just like you would have JavaScript code. Yeah. This is WebAssembly. Like I like these are all things that I'm so unfamiliar with, right? But I just had to learn enough. So it uses WebAssembly so that yeah. you run the .NET code. So the same code you could you can take your code and you can put it on your server, or you can, you know, put it into, you know, in into the client side, Blazor code. And but then your database the would also be there, or or do you connect to a remote database then, or how does no, it work? No, it can still it's can still talk to a server and okay. to the database there. I actually haven't deployed it, right? And and I have I've just I've just only gone as far as running it from Visual Studio on my computer. So I, okay. you need to get a Blazor person on. If you haven't you should definitely get somebody who's one of the one of the people using Blazor on to to talk about Blazor for sure. That's a good yeah, idea. Yeah. Not, my, not my area of expertise. I just, I all I know is that, right? Like, oh yeah, we got to use the DB Context Factory now. <laughs> Do you know what's coming up for EF Core? Where, where is it heading? Is there anything like obviously missing, or or do you think this is this is oh, you know, just just small things? Well, it depends on your perspective, right? Because I was always like, ah, I, you know, I can live without many to many because, you know, we still have mm-hmm. a way to achieve it. But now that I've seen what they've done with the many to many in the F Core 5, like, oh my God, I could like, you know, <laughs> it, I could write a whole book on it. I'm not going to, but I, I, there's, it's so amazing and fascinating how they're making it work. Um, so what the team is doing right now is they are focused on EF Core 6 and they have a, um, they have a survey. I don't know if the survey is still, uh, available. Like, I don't know if they shut it down already. Uh, EF Core 6 survey. Let's just see if it's still, um, and I'll, I'll give you the link to that. I'm just trying to see if mm-hmm. they still active here's take the survey oh uh nope the survey is over but it shows a link of all the things they collected ah. you can go you know on github um well sure this is out all out in the open right yeah 
So on GitHub, I'm just looking to see if there's, well, I'm sure it's just part of their, you know, EF6, EF Core 6 milestones, right? 6.0. Let's see what they've got for 6.0. How many? Uh, they've got 308 open issues for EF Core 6 mm -hmm. with 90 already closed. Okay. <laughs> so that, uh, yeah. And I, I, you know, I've been so busy focused on trying to wrap up my course that I have not even taken a look to see what uh, the conversations are yet about EF Core 6. So okay. that'll, be, that'll be interesting. And, you know, perhaps have somebody from the team on and, and talk about that also might be interesting. They will totally know. Uh, what, what else? I'm sure. I'll give you I'll give you links and stuff that you can put on the web page. Great, thank you. Yeah. So yeah. So I don't know, but they're you know they're not done. They just want to make it better and better. Yeah. Well, I, it, I'm looking forward to to porting it to .NET five now because we have like many to many re relationships, and they also have attributes like the type of relation, for example. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah. Uh, it sounds, it sounds like, yeah. You know, I was talking to Arthur Vickers from the EF Core team, and he was talking. We were talking about many to many, and of course, you know, he's a brilliant engineer on the team, and and he was talking about how it works, like which is well, really, like really amazing. But um, which is probably the reason I got so caught up in how cool it is, right? Because mm -hmm. he was explaining all this stuff to me. Anyway, he started talking about the payloads and I was like, what's a pay? I didn't realize that there was a word for that, like that extra data that you want to have in your join table. It's called payload oh. data. So now mm -hmm. I try to, you know, make sure people understand that. Like, so that when they hear <laughs> somebody like Arthur talking about it, they'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Payload data. <laughs> so anyway, so you've got payload data. So uh, you go watch my watch my course and learn about um, the new entity framework, the new many to many support in EF Core five. I go. will make sure to link to that. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, so so thank you for being my guest today. I'm I'm excited to see what you're up to next. What you uh, I, we can just watch you on plural side, I guess, and and see what technology you dive into next. So, yeah, I'm I'm like a squirrel. <laughs> Somebody puts <laughs> a shiny new toy in front of me. I'm like, oh, I want to see how that works. That's cool. But yeah, usually if I, I when that happens, I'll write about it or something because I always want to. I I love sharing that journey and also uh, helping people avoid some of the pain I may have gone through on the way to learning some of that stuff. Oh right. my gosh. So, you know, half hour turned into 49 minutes. <laughs> Sorry about that, <laughs> but it was fun. I told you, I like to talk. <laughs> this was fun. Thank you. Great. Yeah. Um, so I, I will get in contact with you if if we ever make it to some other EF Core milestone or or if there's something new that you're you're working on that's that is uh, interesting to everyone and, so and i'll get in touch with you next time i come back to mines please do I and do i will do it. one yeah great uh, well thank you for being my guest thank you carrie thank you so much this has been another episode of dev talk and we'll see each other again in two weeks bye bye mm -hmm.